Hello friends, welcome to episode 19 of the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Wow, what an episode. This was a really, really, really honest and open conversation um, from everything from addiction to binging with food, uh, eating disorders, hormones, health, what not to do, what to do, um, diet, nutrition, training, it was a superb episode. Um, I'm really proud of Simone for opening up and being as honest as she was. It was inspiring. I think we'll leave it there. So I'll let you guys dive in and um, hope you enjoy it. Let us know your feedback. Cheers. Bye. Wait for the bidding and then we're oh, in. I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Simone Douglas, a.k.a. House of Health, a.k.a. Hubbala! To the Discomfort <laughs> Podcast. Oh yes, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, 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 thank you for coming on. Thank you for asking me. I'm really stoked that we've got this opportunity to sit down and have this chat. And um, you know, before as we was organising this, we said timing is key. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a perfect time and perfect opportunity to to delve into yourself and. Um, yeah, but before we kick off and dive into that and your journey, first question, as we always do, what we kick off the show with is, what does it mean to you to chase discomfort? Um, chasing discomfort for me is basically to grow, to level up, to take yourself to areas that you wouldn't, you don't feel comfortable doing. So it does make you feel uncomfortable, but you do get a big reward out of it. And I've definitely experienced a lot of them throughout my life. But yeah, that's discomfort to me chasing it cool solid answer so look this this dive into your journey because um right, okay where, where do you want to start I think I probably start from when I was at my biggest so I was 21 and I was probably about a size 24 26 um so and then I started to come back out I was in a bit of, I was in a relationship and then I thought right I need to start getting back to see my friends and um I started going back out I started losing weight. I don't really know how I started losing weight. I think I just went to the gym. I think I cut out carbs or something like that. But I was partying a lot. So, and, you know, going to the gym and everything wasn't my main focus. It was living a life. And I lost a lot of weight. It probably took me about 10 years. And I lost about 12 to 13 or 14 stone, something like that. So I lost a lot of weight. Again, training wasn't like a massive thing for me. It was going out, enjoying my life and just making sure that I just I felt happy and I felt content. I wouldn't feel overly confident, but I felt good. Um, and then it wasn't until I think I, I started to probably about, I was probably about 24, 25 was when I really started to get into fitness. So I really thought, you know, I've always been this big girl. I've always been bigger than everyone else. I thought, how can I achieve something that I never thought I could ever achieve? How can I get that physique? And I thought, so I started doing like weight training, strength and conditioning, tapping into hormone related stuff and delving in and out of training and everything like that but I never really fully focused on it because I was too busy having a party going out having fun and like most 20 year olds do so I think it was ended up being about late 20s I then decided to become a personal trainer I actually didn't decide to be a personal trainer some my old personal trainer asked me to do it I didn't have the confidence about it. I was shocked that even he thought I could be a personal trainer because I was like, I'm a fat person who's trying to be a personal trainer, who's trying to tell people to have a healthy lifestyle when I'm going out partying Friday to Tuesday. 
I couldn't really get it into my head. But he said to me, you're like a big inspiration and everything like that. So I was like, all right. Yeah, that was it, James. Yeah. Yeah, James Fugel. Thank you, James. Big up, big up, Fugel. <laughs> um, so I went and done a personal training course in Wales for four weeks and it was a residential. I was so nervous. Um, I was so conscious about what I looked like. I just told myself continuously, you're too fat to do this. You're too fat to do this. What are you doing? How are you going to be a personal trainer? I whipped myself up so much before I got there. I got there and I was fine. I absolutely smashed it. I had the best time. I'd done really, really well. It was hard because it was going back to school type stuff and I'd been so out of school for that long. And it was, but I'd done so well and that gave me the biggest confidence boost ever. And then I graduated from that, come out of there and went straight into work. Thanks to James. He got me loads of work being a personal trainer. My confidence was really high because I kind of got rid of all that self-doubt I believing in myself because I proved to myself that I could do it and and I started getting clients and people wanted to train with me because I continuously forgot of the girl that I was a size 26 and then probably then I was probably about size 14 16 I was I just I couldn't I couldn't ever imagine why do you want to train with me like what is it about me and then it was because of my journey so I then trained there for a while and um Again, I was still a personal trainer, but I still love to party. And it was it was never a big thing for me training like it is now. And then I started to really want to push it. And I was, I thought, I really want to see what my body can do. I've then set up my own business at mine, which is now House of Health. So it's my own little personal training studio. I do weight training for women. And I really wanted to fight, get that physique. I was willing to do it now. I was willing to quit the party in stop going out all the time and just really fully focus on getting that body that I'd always dreamed of. So I did. I stopped going out. I stopped drinking. I completely cut my life off and sacrificed my life to start a fitness prep. Um, I got a new coach. I dedicated my whole life to it. So my first prep was when I turned 30 and that was for 12 weeks. And it was a a 12-week prep for my birthday. So it was the first time I'd ever cut out alcohol or anything, going out for meals and literally lived off a food plan, training program, cardio plan, didn't deviate from it, and I lived by it. Done it, done really well. I'd even done a photo shoot, and it was really good for my business. And that was probably, looking back, the most happiest I've ever been. Not the most smallest, not the most ripped or anything like that. I was curvy but I was happy because I'd achieved that goal and then it was my 30th and then I could go and enjoy my life a bit so I'd done all that then the weight started creeping back on I tried to reverse out of these diets but for some reason I just physically cannot do it mentally I have the worst cravings and I go on these starvation to binging sessions which is very normal to come out of a prep and I'm not slagging prep off at all. I think it's sensational what these people do and they make it into a business and it's an, a sport. But it's the most mentally challenging thing I think I've ever put myself through. And to try and come out of it steadily has just never worked for me. So it wasn't too much of an issue that time around. I was still enjoying my life, but I was still really into my training. But as the weight was creeping back on more and more and more, really quickly, more quicker, more quicker than the most people... 
I then thought I've got to do another prep. So I done another one. This one was I think for about 12 weeks or 12 weeks again. So again, cut my life off. Didn't see anyone lived on a plan training program. Literally my life was that got the results, went on holiday, put all the weight back on. So it's back, back to square one again and worse. So I was like, this is just soul destroying. Going through the whole problem with starvation, binge eating, body image issues, because I got so focused on all these preps and this life of what I look like, weighing myself every day. It was just so soul destroying, but I didn't know how I was ever going to maintain a weight. So I just kept going back on prep. So I then start booking all these photo shoots and everything like that to give myself goals really challenging goals going from a size 26 girl to booking a lingerie shoot in was you know something that i could never believe that i would ever be doing but i thought you know i'm going to do it but the amount of pressure i put on myself to do it so this is now my third prep and i'd put on a lot of weight again i was so embarrassed with it and i thought this has got to be my last one this has to be my last prep because I cannot survive this mental health with the image, my body image issues, the sacrifice in a life. The, I lost my personality from them. I thought this has got to be it. So January last year, I started my this first prep. Now, I didn't know lockdown was going to happen. I was t- intending to finish it in July. So I still had a really good month because I had this big photo shoot. So... I started doing it and then obviously lockdown hit and as lockdown hit I kind of realized that well actually I could probably push this a little bit longer I could probably do a few more shoots I could get my business really up and running for when it comes out of lockdown and really go massive with this so I'll just keep I'll extend my prep what I didn't realize was along along the way was it got so hard for me to lose weight that my metabolism was just so slow so for the average person a 20-week prep they'd shred up not for me. Oh, my weight wouldn't shift. It would take me forever. Every day, looking at that scale, taking photos was just a killer. I got the worst, worst anxiety from it all. Was that because your deficit was so big? Um, I think it was the pressure of everything more than anything. Where I put my body under so much stress. What I'm going to get to is why now I know why I had to work so hard. Because I... I had to work harder than the average person. When I done my last prep, which was last year, I was training about five hours a day. And my calorie deficit was, in, it was extreme as well. The only time my weight would drop was when my carbs would get cut. So that's when I could really start noticing the changes. So I think it was the pressure, the stress that I was putting my body under. So the stress, the cortisol levels was just insane. That was just causing the worst anxiety. So I started to self-medicate. I started to take diazepam because I thought, hold on, this is amazing. This is t- relief in taking the relief away from my anxiety and I can still smash prep, get absolutely shredded and smash all my goals. So I'm taking diazepam, I'm on prep, I'm in lockdown, I live on my own. I am solely focused on getting lean and getting as shredded as I can. And I do, I, I do it. And I've done, I think I've done about four or five photo shoots last year. But my prep was supposed to finish on July. I didn't finish it until November. So I'd been dieting for that long. Also, while I was taking diazepam and everything like that to try and self-medicate, 
And the fear of me coming out of prep was so raw that I I knew I had to stop because my body couldn't cope any longer. But I was so petrified to stop because I knew that when I come out of it, I knew how much weight I was going to gain. And I just wasn't prepared for it mentally. So what I should have done in hindsight was stop in July, have my last photo shoot and then deal with the reverse. But instead I pushed it and I pushed it too far. I had to cancel my last shoot because I was so ill. I was absolutely drained. I was, I, I got down to a size six and I'm a five foot 11 girl. And I folded and I just literally couldn't do it anymore. So as everyone does, when you finish prep, you go and have things that you enjoy eating and try and not let yourself feel guilty about. I actually didn't go mad. The before preps, I did. I I learned from my mistake because I thought I knew how ill I got and I thought I'm not going to go absolutely mad with food or making myself feel ill. So I had a few meals out. Yeah, and cut the donuts, things like that. Just the things that you haven't had for so long. I hadn't had it all for like 10 months. Mm. And um, I gained, after a weekend, just over a stone, I think it was. I had no definition. I'd completely ballooned out. I, I couldn't cope. I'd, I'd just done 10 months of killing myself with the worst anxiety. Now highly addicted to diazepam. And I couldn't handle what I'd just done for for a few days I felt like I'd ruined all my hard work so then it was I was back to square one again when really in reality I wasn't it was my mind because I had such a body image issue and body dysmorphia and it was I was actually could have pulled it back but because my mind took over and I was literally dealing with my own demons I decided to try and keep going, not really tell anyone what was going on, just try and deal with it myself, not tell my coach what was really going on. And so I'd go like starvation, go back on plan, try and reverse out, wouldn't work. I'd get all these cravings again for sugar, absolutely binge, fall into a depression, take more diazepam. Then it was just a roller coaster. And that lasted the whole of November. I then popped. I I just thought, I I can't do this anymore. I couldn't do, I couldn't work anymore. I couldn't socialize. I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't do any. It was one of the worst feelings of my life. And I just thought, I don't know how to stop this. So I got sent to rehab. I went to rehab. Who sent you? Well, my mum. My mum sent me. It was, I knew I had to go because I weren't going to get off diazepam and I weren't going to deal with any of these issues. And I didn't know how to either. Hmm. And all I could see was this constant battle. Yeah, it was just so vicious, constant. And um, so I went to rehab and I spent 28 days there. I'm so glad I went, obviously, because it got me better from the medication. But it didn't deal deal with the root cause because the, the rehab dealt with addiction. They told me I was an addict to drugs. But really, what I was addicted to was my body image, what I was addicted to, I had an eating disorder and I'd eaten disorder for years and I had just tried to cover it up and I was really, really embarrassed about it. So I didn't really bring that up in rehab because it was in such a group setting and because there was nobody else I could relate to, I just lip serviced it. Yeah, 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 all right, yeah, that's fine, yeah. I knew when I come out of rehab, I was never gonna go back onto diazepam again. I was never, that was never gonna happen. I just physically couldn't get off of them. So I just lip serviced my way for it, really. And 
they let me do minimal training but then I got I was really ill in there so I wasn't motivated to train and they were pumping me with food carbs 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 so my weight is gaining 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 so I left rehab went in probably a size eight to ten I come out size 16 in a month mentally going from that size to that size my mind was shot to bits I'd also got COVID while I was in there. So I come out, I was really ill while I was in there and I couldn't work out what was going on, why I was so ill. And they were saying, oh, it's the medication, you're coming off of that and everything. So I was just rolling with that to then come out and think, no, I'm still not right to find out I had COVID. So I then had to isolate myself for 15 days at home completely. Considering I'd just been in rehab, my life feels completely upside down. Um, I've then now got to isolate on my own. And I got where I was so ill mentally and so ill, my immune system was so low, the COVID got me so bad. It took me a month for me to actually feel better and to actually start being able to walk up the stairs without feeling so out of breath and just being able to like not sleep all day and everything like that. So that was, that was another month on top of everything that I'd just gone through that set me back. Mm. So it sent me into a further depression. I got to such a dark place by then, I was numb. I thought, I just give up. I thought, I've got no job. I, I hate who I am. I live, like, I, I'm living this life of hate for myself. And it was just so hard. And I can only way I can describe it is that I was living with somebody who hated me, but I just couldn't get away from them because I was living with myself. And I'd lost all love for myself and passion for anything. And I'd never thought I was ever going to get back to my old self again. And I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, the body dysmorphia and the body image issues and the eating disorders. And I was still suffering with a binge eating disorder. And I hadn't addressed any of it. And it was only by chance that my mum had found this um, hormone clinic in London. Because when I was 16, I got diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. But when I was 16, then, when you got diagnosed with PCOS, they told you, you have to lose weight. Okay. And that's it. There's no cure, but you've got to lose weight. They don't ever tell you how hard it is you're going to, for you to lose weight, how you're probably going to never maintain a healthy weight without the right medication or the right nutrition or nothing. So you get sent out and that's what you get told. What well, age 16, someone's telling me I've got to lose weight. I don't want to do that. All my mates, why do I have to lose weight? All my mates are eating what they want, doing what they want. Why can't I? So it was something I never really looked at. And I then drilled into myself that PCOS was an excuse and it wasn't something that was ever going to hold me back. I was determined. So I never really looked into it or anything like that. And I wish I had 15 years ago because I wouldn't have had to go through all that transitions, all that different transformations I've done. But then I think I wouldn't have learned everything that I have learned. So it's just a catch 22 with that. But I went to the hormone clinic in London and I had all a really thorough blood test and I found out that I was insulin resistant PCOS. So I'm basically pre-diabetic. I've been pre-diabetic probably my whole life without even realising. I've got no progesterone in my system, which is anti-anxiety, antidepressant hormone. My thyroid is just not working. Vitamin D deficiencies, all this different stuff there where my hormones were completely imbalanced. I didn't ovulate. And it just answered 
all my problems. I answered why I put on so much weight all the time and I never maintained a weight. I've been a size 26 to a size six, but I couldn't tell you what my average weight or, or my average clothes size is because I've never been able to maintain it. So it answered like when I eat carbohydrates or when I have sugars or even when I have certain vegetables and things like that, why I gain so much weight to the average person. Like I'd go on holiday with people and they would gain what, a few pounds. I'd gain a stone. And I'd be like, what? But I just drilled it into myself that that was, that was me. That was what I had to do. And I had to kill myself to get to where I wanted to be. But now I found out the answers to what's been going on and realising that I don't have to kill myself to look a certain way. And I shouldn't have to look a certain way to be a personal trainer or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about the experiences and how you coach people and the lifestyle about it as well. It was just like a light bulb moment. So it was going from this complete depression and didn't know a way out to then actually having answers and being able to think, right, now I kind of know what I've got to do. It was still hard. So March was still a month where I was, was very unsure of what am I doing? Is this right? You know, trial and error, like with anything. But it was a whole new lifestyle I had to take on. So it was great that I'd done these preps. And I, I'm so proud of myself that I even got to some of the conditions, especially the last condition I got to, because it actually is pretty impossible for my body to be able to do it. But I feel really proud of myself for doing it. But I also forgive myself for all the times I have gained weight and I have felt like I've fouled because it actually hasn't been my fault because I have tried. But again, with PCOS as well, one of the underlying symptoms is you crave sugar, but sugar makes you, you're insulin resistant. So your body can't deal with sugar. So it's just a fat storage hormone. So it's just like one of these vicious circles symptoms. So now I know that the food I should be eating I changed my lifestyle completely. I'll never do a prep again. It was fantastic for people that can cope with it mentally. I take my hat off to anyone that can do it. It's not for me mentally at all. I'm just not there. And it's also to strip my personality. I was somebody who, in the end, wasn't fun, didn't have a laugh, miserable to my friends. And that's just, just, that's not a life to look a certain way and to not even be able to hold on to it. And to be fair, I got given that body. Well, I worked hard for that body, but I didn't know what to do with it. Before they do, stand in the mirror for 20, you know, every day. Like, who cares? It's just like, it's mental. But the mentality you have with it is crazy. So, but now I finally can see a balanced lifestyle because really and truly, that's all I've ever, ever been craving even with the preps or anything like that, because I never wanted to do stage or nothing. I wanted to do it just so I could have a physique I was proud of. I could work, you know, work really well with my job and everything like that and just be confident. I didn't want it to be the, the biggest or the shreddiest, the shreddiest person or anything like that. I just wanted to feel confident in my own skin. But I never realising that it was, I was never going to maintain it. So, But now I can see a life where I'm actually going to be able to have a balance, go out, eat food which I've been doing I found food again I haven't got this eating disorder where I'm binge eating I've been doing this new lifestyle for I think about six weeks uh, it's just given me a whole new opportunity with work I'm stud I'm going to study a nutritional therapy and um hormone related health for women I'm going to zoom into about women's cycles about how to train and eat well with your cycle work with your body because my whole life I've never listened to my body my whole life I've worked against it 
I've had to reteach myself how to eat. I talk to my body all day. I think I'm hungry. And I say to myself, are you hungry? Are you though? And I work it out. When was the last time you ate? And it's, it's mad. But you do. After going through this crazy structure of eating on plan and you listen, watching a clock of when you think you should be eating, to then go to try and retrain yourself to actually listen to your body when you're hungry, it's, it's crazy. But it's really nice because I think, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. Instead of it used to be in, I'm hungry. Well, it doesn't matter. You can't eat. It's not the right time. You've got this training to do this, 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 and then sacrifice and everything. So it's it's opened up so much. I'm also back in touch with James. He's been amazing. He's helped me. He's pushing me pushing me towards a um, hormone course, which I've just started to do my online one. Um, he, we're going to work together and do some stuff because it's just now instead of focusing on physique, aesthetics, you know, what's close size I am. It's focusing on how healthy I feel, how happy I feel, how confident I feel within my own skin and to actually finally for the first time in my life to actually like myself. Because looking back, I've never liked myself. I've always been searching for change. I've never just sat there and thought, you know what, I'm not perfect, but that, you know, I'm all right. It's always been, no, I've got to do better. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to prove to myself that I can do it. No one cares. That's the thing about it. No one actually cares. Only everyone seems happy. And you end up sucking that away from yourself. You take it away, your happiness and everything, because you're chasing something which is so irrelevant and actually isn't going to make you happy. Do you know what makes you happy? Eating some chocolate. That makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Having a chocolate bar makes you happy. Not starving yourself, training five hours a day, self-medicating with diazepam. Just for a vein to pop up. And it ain't even a good look for a girl. <laughs> yeah, so it's now I know what I need to do. And it's refreshing to feel like a weight has been lifted. And also to understand that it hasn't always been my fault. Yeah, I've, you know, I've had cheat things here and there, or whatever, but like a normal human being. But I know that I've given it my all for everything and it was just, I was working against my body. I was never working with it. And it's now for the rest of my life, I'll be working with it, not against it. It's, it's great to hear you talk so openly and honestly about, about the journey. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I get that that's, I don't know if it feels still uncomfortable for you to talk about it, but you talk about it with such freedom. And I can see the, the passion and the fire in your eyes when you talk about it because... Yeah. Like you say, you've been on this crazy roller coaster of like, you know, being super strict, super hard on yourself, um, coming off, and and then beating yourself up again. Like it's it's such a refreshing um, conversation and an attitude to hear in in a world of and you know not just Instagram. Instagram's not the criminal, and you know, but there is so much fakeness mm -hmm. that is on there, and especially within the fitness industry where you know, look, we, we could argue for hours about the positive and negatives of, of social media and Instagram. And there's a lot of a lot of ads, a lot of shit that goes on there. But you're you're just refreshingly honest. And, you know, you've had to go. You've been through those dark places to now come out on the other side to have that opinion. Yeah. Um, but it's just like personally it's just great to see the glow and the fire in your eyes when you talk and just you know for someone to just be 
that brutally honest is so refreshing to hear because, you know, it's like, take this new skinny tea, take this supplement, here's a quick fix, um, you know, cut this corner. Um, the diet that you never knew you could have or get quick, get strong in five, all these fitness fairy tales yeah. that are on the front cover of the magazines or on the Instagram posts, on the stories, on the reels. Now, all the shit, all the marketing that sucks people in, like, I want to look like that or I want to do this or, you know, all the stuff that, you know, I've been massively guilty of it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I'm this super high power, mighty thing that I've, um, you know, for sure, I was a skinny little teenager, like skinny. Mm-hmm. My my cap and my <laughs> collar up on my Hackett polo shirt <laughs> used to hang off me because I was just bones and I was like long Kermit the Frog legs. And when I got into to strength training or bodybuilding back then, like I'm seeing all these dudes walk around the gym and like six weeks later they've just gone from like my size to just like they've got a coat hanger up yeah. the back of their shirt. And I'm thinking – well, I know I train, if not as hard as him, like as long as him, and I see him every day that I'm here as well. So how the fuck has he got so much bigger? And then yep. you hear the whispers and then you see the whelks on their back and yep. then like they go in this crazy sort of, they lose their neck. and they're Very like, red. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so you're just eating chicken and rice, <laughs> but your fucking arms are twice the size of me. So, yeah. you know, like, look, I'm not here to judge, and that's. I hope hope you don't think that's the road I'm going down because no. you know everyone is accountable for their own actions. We're all mm. responsible for what we do. But for me, for sure, you touched on quite a few issues there that I know I've faced in 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 my sort of fitness journey, my fitness career, and like for me, eating every three hours. Like I used yeah. to set a clock. It used to be six a.m., nine, twelve, three, six, nine. like just through and even if I wasn't hungry like I'd force feed myself shit or I would if I was to go out I'd panic where am I going to eat I've got to eat in half an hour or the panic the panic about it like I'd turn up like to nights out with a Tupperware box in my car I wouldn't be drinking I would be no fun and I'd sneak out to my car so I could eat my chicken and veg and then go back in the bar (laughs) thinking that's normal (laughs) Well, look, there shows a level of dedication and discipline, yeah. which is which is obviously like a strength for certain aspects. Yeah. But if it's part of a cycle that is is damaging to your not only physical health but mental health as well. Yeah. Um, because this to get it right, you know, I think for for guys growing up, I think that I I put this own image on myself, like I labelled myself that I must have this athletic or sporty sort of look and yes. I've all it, it, you know it's quite hard for me to even say this now but I've always had this aesthetical dream of what I think I should look like and I've done things in the past that have gone against that dream but I think I'm doing the right thing yeah um, and it's only been the last sort of couple of years that I've stopped being so hard and stopped stripped on myself where I was under eating and now, where I'm a little bit more relaxed with it, it's brought the anxiety levels down. It's brought the stress levels down. Yeah. You know, before I used to what I called myself like Saturday night was a treat night. Mm. So I would I would like celebrate it all over my socials. Oh yeah, smashing Hagen does and this chocolate bar, and and it was an addiction. 
Yeah. Because all week I beat myself up. No, you can't have nothing. You can't have nothing. Yeah. And then I get to Saturday night, have this massive. Have it all. And then, and then like sort of feel guilty that I had to go harder on the on the day after or that week to sort of make up for it. And in, in reality, like that wasn't real. It wasn't realistic. Um, you know, now I've got to the point that I'm fucking eating brownies and Snickers and right, bagels yeah. and just just going hard because I know that um, I need that fuel to be able to fuel my intensity in my workouts. And I'm, I like on on Sunday, for example, I built I burnt just under five thousand calories. I right. I didn't eat that on Sunday. So I, I know, like, I'll backfill over the next couple of days yeah. and, and go right again. But something that I, I wanted to explain to everyone that's listening, because um, I want you to explain for me when you were talking about what your 12-week prep looked like. So talk, yeah. talk me for an average day in that prep. So an average day would be I'd wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd do... 40 to 45 minutes of steady cardio so that'd be on my treadmill i'd then i put out a lot of coffee before that as well i've been trained my clients until about 11 o'clock so my clients would come in from 7 to 11 i won't have eaten i will then make myself i think it was about 45 to 50 grams of oats with some blueberries and some protein powder i can't remember what this, I'm going on more of what the end of the prep was because that's mm -hmm. when the most intensity of it really is. But this is all this, it's all the same in the days. Um, and then I'd go training. I'd then go train for about two hours. So I'd go weight training and I'd have a training split of quads, push, pull, glutes, hamstrings, arms. That would be my week. Um, then I'd come home. I'd walk the dog. I'd then... For, that, for 45 minutes bearing in mind my dog is three kilograms and a pomeranian she does not need 45 minutes every day but she got it um <laughs> you're dragging her along <laughs> <laughs> she's like prepping herself um so then i'd come home and i'd have about an hour to myself but in that hour i would eat i think mainly i'm considering i trained for two hours i probably then wouldn't eat until about three o'clock so I'd leave that time as well after training. Wouldn't be replenishing myself at all. Three o'clock, so I could probably have some like chicken and salad or chicken and vegetables if I'm my low carb. But in that hour, I'd be on my social media updating, you know, picture of myself that nobody cares about. And it would be so that that was my downtime. I'd then be back at work. So then I'd have clients in from about half four or five until about 10 o'clock at night sometimes. In between that, I'd probably have a protein shake. And that'd be it. And then I'd do half an hour of yoga, an hour of yoga, and then I'd eat my dinner. So sometimes I won't eat my dinner to about 11 o'clock at night. I'd have two nice meals to eat. And that's all I lived for that day was my two meals at the end of the day, which was like burgers, chips, veg, yogurt, and cereal. Like it was heaven for me. And that's all I ever thought about. So that'd get to be about 12 o'clock. I'd then go to bed. I could fall asleep. But I'd be up within a couple of hours because obviously I'm so stressed from all the training. Um, oh, I'd be training training with my clients as well. So I'd be doing HIIT training with them just so I could get more calorie burn. So I was probably training about, could be up to five hours a day. Um, and then, yeah, then I'd wake up and then my day would start again. And that was like that every day. Well, last year for near enough 10 months. 
insane. Your sleep, I can imagine, is playing havoc with your because you, you know what it's like if as you sleep at the moment. I am sleeping amazing. I sleep eight hours solid a night because now I've got progesterone in my system. I've got the hormone that makes me go to sleep. Yeah. So if in comparison to when you have a shit night to when you have a great night's sleep, it's a different world, isn't it? Oh, it's it was like a night out. You know, if you stay out all night partying, you're going to feel shit. If you go out partying, but you actually go home at one or two in the morning, you actually don't feel as bad as you would have if you hadn't stayed up all night. Mm. So you are literally living this in the world of insomnia, which is causing anxiety, stress. It is the, the pressure is just insane. And you're floating around because you're just like, right, but you've got to keep going with it. You find, I've never, I didn't realise I had this drive where you just find this inner strength just to keep going. You just think, I cannot turn up to a photo shoot and not feel like I've put in blood, sweat and tears. Mm. And I did, and I put, and I went to every photo shoot feeling absolutely insane and incredible. And I'm so proud of myself for it. And I'm so proud of the photos, but I had to kill myself to get there. And that's not fun. Mm. So the prep goes on for roughly 12 weeks. And yeah. you mentioned that you used the word reverse dieting or you tried to reverse back out of it. Never been able to. So talk, talk me through that. So explain to everyone what that means. So reverse dieting is you'll be, your calories will start getting increased slowly for your, then all your hormones to come back to the right level. And, you know, if you start putting on weight at a slow pace so you don't put loads of body fat on, you know, you start getting back to a healthy level and you probably should do that about for about another six to eight weeks. But the minute I come off prep and try to start reversing, I'd freak out because I was putting on weight. So I tell my coach, no, I can't do it. I'm going to book another photo shoot in. Let's go back on prep. So it was, I wasn't letting my, my body recover. So then what would happen is when I actually did finally finish prep, I'd then go, all oh, right, all this food, because that's all you can think about in the end. You, you, I would torture myself about the aisles in Tesco. I could tell you down every aisle what is in Tesco. All that, the peanut butter, the Nutella, that, them spread aisles, <laughs> I dreamt about a lot. <laughs> I was in them. So you would, you'd go in on the, the weekend or whatever, the few days you've finished because you just, you know what it's like, even just a week of depriving yourself. Imagine depriving yourself for that long. People, most people in prep do let them have refeed meals and things like that. I didn't because my body didn't really respond that well to them, I don't think. And it just kept me focused. So it was, I had nothing. I didn't go out to dinner. I had nothing off plan for such a long time. I ate the same food every day. So I think what, what my downfall with trying to reverse is I would go and have things that, you know, you're thinking about. But then because your sugar levels have just gone, and not realizing that my sugar levels would have been sky high anyway, because I'm insulin resistant. Mm -hmm the crash and the cravings after and you've I could never push through them so I would end up beating myself up trying to stay back on my reverse plan to have three or four days into it I think fuck this I'm going to Tesco and I'm getting down that spread aisle <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be it and then I'll be in this oblivion of binge eating and hate for myself and think I think to myself if I stop, I'm going to hate myself. You've just got to keep eating until you just go to sleep.
Mm. It was, it was, I was addicted to it. It was like a, it was an addiction. And I was so embarrassed about it as well because I'm supposed to be this health person, this coach. I ain't got a handle on my own health. I don't know what I've got this eating disorder, which I don't know what to do with. So reversing for normal people would like say would be able to have a few of things off plan and everything and do the six to eight weeks and then go into a normal life and then probably go into the off season, which is where they'd start going into a calorie surplus and, you know, building muscle and everything like that with minimal fat. I never got to that. I'd have two months, I'd have to do prep again. So just continuously dieting because I just could not cope mentally with trying to reverse. And I just had this, I just, I always developed an eating disorder after. And was the eating disorder the binging? Yeah. And how often would you do that? Um, well, if probably my last one lasted from November until February. And that was... So what, daily? No, it would be, I'd have like probably about four or five days of being really good. And then I'd have three days of being so bad. Because I'd have a day and think, I'm not going to do it tomorrow wake up oh you know and then if you get the cravings because i've got insulin resistance and pcos the cravings are insane anyway and then feeding these cravings was just making it so much worse so it yeah then i had three days and then i finally but i always managed to do my training because i'd feel like that was my safety blanket you know all right you've been really bad but at least you're exercising so i'd kill myself in the gym standing in the gym crying look at myself hating myself so my training's suffering anyway but i'm still doing it and then, yeah, then I'd get back on track and then it might be like about another week or two weeks and then I'd have another episode. I then found out it was triggers that were triggering me of making me do it because I'd taken myself off social media as well. I kind of, and I lived on my own. I had my own in myself to answer to. So it was just like, just because it was like a hidden thing for me, I just thought, oh, no, no, who cares? Just do it. You know, you're, you're bored. You're in lockdown. What else are you going to do? Like, I know that everyone struggled in lockdown and, and eating and things like that. It's been their comfort. Yeah. And that's what I found it was for me because I'd sacrificed it all so long from my life. Like, I'd sacrificed everything to then think, oh, well, I, I feel depressed anyway. I'm not working. I've got no one to answer to. I haven't got to be his health coach or anything. Fuck it, eat. Mm. so that's what the mentality i'd get and I'd get these triggers of it and i'd and then i'd go through a binge stage a binge stage of eating and then i'd have to pull myself back and then it would just be so, so hard every time every time was more and more soul destroying it's such an emotive state food isn't it mm. like you can get this like almost sort of orgasmic sort of rush yeah you're gonna eat something that you, you know is gonna be like taste really good whether it's you know whatever sugar fat Buzz you get from it—it's ridiculous. I love, I, <laughs> I love the studies that they done with cheesecake. So, like they said that rats would literally eat themselves to death with cheesecake because it's the perfect combination of fat and carbs. Like they just wouldn't know when to stop. They just yeah. eat, 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 and die. Like, and I've had a few moments before. I remember a couple of years back, I was on holiday in this country. And, um, you know, we was we rented a cottage out and we, we'd got a load of sort of treats and, like, not, not my normal food. And I woke up at, like, 3, 4 a.m., bang, just wide awake with my stomach just going. Like, I could hear the, the voice in my head was going, you need to eat. You need to eat. Go downstairs and eat. And, I, and, like, about half an hour of in the kitchen, I'm doing bagels with spread, 
eating like flapjacks, brownies, Jaffa cakes. And I remember sort of like stopping mid snack with something in my mouth and all this shit on the, on the kitchen side. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's mad, isn't it? It was like I was in, I was sleepwalking. Or yeah. sleepwalking. Like an episode. And I was like, for a second, I snapped out of it and thought, this ain't right. And then that other voice went, just fucking eat it. So, and I literally finished everything. Yeah. And then I, I felt so bad, I wouldn't even go back upstairs to bed. So I laid down on the sofa and then I'm laying there going, why the fuck did you just do that? And I honestly, I could not explain it. No. Like, I've, I've, I consider myself of quite, quite good willpower and can be quite sort of strong and disciplined myself. If, if I say I'm not going to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. That was a really weird episode where I literally just could not stop eating shit for about half an hour, 45 minutes in the middle of the night. And um, yeah, it was like, it, it was weird. And, and every now and again, like I'll get something similar and I find myself like with the with a, like a sweet wrapper or something, I'll go to tuck it away in the bin so no one can see it. And I'll go, I'll go to myself, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> It doesn't matter. Like you ain't gonna die because you've just had a like one of your kids' Easter eggs or like a little chocolate bar or nothing. Yeah. And like still to this day, I go to sort of hide something because I think I'm being bad, and then I'm like, no, nah, that's yeah. not that's not a healthy relationship with food. Um, so I, healthy. I can really relate with a binging um, because. I think we've probably got quite similar personalities. We're like yeah. all or nothing. We're quite. Yeah, that's, that's me all over. Yeah. Find something we like and we're like. Do it to death. All yeah. in. Yeah. All that's in. It. Um, so when you said you've now got the, the hormone, is it? Progesterone. Progesterone. So yeah. how, how have you sort of developed that? Has that come from habits? Well, my nutrition, but also I've got to take medication because. I don't produce any of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I couldn't get it from all foods or anything like that. So I have to take it daily, but that doesn't bother me now because I'd rather be on that for the rest of my life than go through what I have been through in my life. Because I just accepted I was anxious. I accepted I had depression. I accepted that I was very highly strung and that if my routine was messed up, I was, you know, going mental about it. That was me. And, you know, we'd laugh and joke about it, that, oh, Simone can't have a routine mix, mix, mix up or anything like that. But it's because I've had a constant feeling of a knot in my chest my whole life. And I didn't, and that was normal to me. And it's only since I've been taking these tablets and my progesterone levels have been going back up, I'm so much calmer. Mm. If somebody said to me, Simone, you can't train glutes tomorrow because tomorrow's my glute day if you told me that about a month ago or even last year no it wouldn't be happening that would not be happening but if someone told me that now i'd be like all right okay it's fine i'll work it out i'll do it another day or you know i might have to miss it this week but that's because i was so anxious about everything and it just used to be it was just a norm to me so now i've got these tablets it just feels so much better and I'm, i'm happy to take the medication and obviously make sure I still have the right nutrition and that to go with it. But yeah, it just, it's a relief. I feel like a new person. There'll be people listening to this that you will be striking a chord with. Mm. Um, And, you know, sometimes it takes for someone else to to hear something from, from other people, um, you know, that will will 
sort of trigger something in themselves to say that um, you know they'll identify with what you're saying. Yeah. What would be your advice to those people that you know going through something similar to to what you did, or or you know identifying with some of the stuff that you're saying? Talk, speak to people. Speak to your closest people around you. Um, seek help because what I done was always say to myself that I can deal with it. I always tried to sell all my problems out when realizing that I was actually making more damage than good because I am the, my own worst enemy. I'm really, really hard on myself. I'm really horrible to myself as well. So I never let myself feel the emotion. I always used to try and block it out and just try and get over it and say to myself, you know, why you shouldn't feel like this and you're wrong for eating like that. And because I'm like you, such a dedicated person. And when I would go on binges and things like that, I'd be so mortified in myself. Thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this? Like, you're not like this. So I, so until I actually spoke out about it, and that's why I'm being so honest about even like the diazepam, like, I'm not embarrassed. It was part of it. And I have to speak out about it because I don't want anyone to go through what I've just been through because there were days that I didn't think I was going to see the end of them. And that scares me. And that upsets me terribly to even think and, and to even see myself that I was there. That's generally how I felt. And if anyone is feeling like they have just got lost control, if they're eating, if the food is taking over their life, if they're training too much, if they're, if they're hating themselves, if, they feel anxious you've got to speak out and you've got to try and find help and the right help is going to be people around you and to also listen to people and to not expect that you're going to be cured there and then because that was what my problem was a lot of the time I was having all this therapy even after rehabbing all this therapy and I wasn't getting better but really I was because I was slowly opening part of my brain up to accept what who I was and, and listening to what they're saying subconsciously. But because I wasn't feeling it there and then, because that's how I am with things. If I'm not feeling it there and then, I'm not interested. But I just persevered with it and I just kept going with it because I had nothing else to do. I'd nothing, and I just thought this is better than nothing. So I really did and I opened myself up to to starting to appreciate and I actually got really bored and tired of hating myself and giving myself such a hard time because it was so exhausting I just couldn't I just thought in the end I do you know what? I can't do this I cannot keep living my, my life hating myself this much so then just to start saying to myself nicer things instead of me looking in the mirror and thinking oh oh my god what have you done you know comparing myself to last prep pulling myself apart I'll just say like three things that I actually do like about myself I've got a fat bum now. I like my fat bum. But, that, but a few months ago, a few weeks ago even, I was like, oh my God, look, you put fat there on. The, it was just insane. So it's just to be kinder to yourself and you're not going to feel it straight away. And I don't think you ever will fully love yourself. But just accept. Accept where you are and accept that it's not all a straightforward journey. And everything you are going to do, you are going to learn from. Because I never thought I would be sitting here and talking to you about this or being open about it a few months ago. I never thought that I'd ever get back to work. I never thought I was even going to get back and get out of bed again. So it is just starting to learn and accept where you are. And then you are going to actually get strength from it because you are going to be able to help other people. And that is what my main focus is now. So make sure people can be helped with their problems as well, what I've been through. 
Yeah, and, and I'm I'm thankful that we're having this conversation because you know I, I don't take it lightly what you're saying. You know, with your dark days that mm. you're having, I'm sure there was real dark thoughts that was that was going through your mind. So um, shout out to your mum for finding that uh, hormone health clinic, eh? Mum, as always, saved my life. I don't know what I do about that woman. She's literally, she, she knows, she said to me the whole time, it's your hormones, it's your hormones. I didn't believe it. I thought there was something mentally wrong with me, that I was a failure and that it was me sabotaging. I could named myself a self-sabotager. And that used to, I used to think, what is, why do you do this to yourself? You kill yourself doing all this fitness stuff. You kill yourself not eating. And then you absolutely ruin it all. And I was just like beating myself up constant. So it is, yeah, it's it's mad to actually find out, actually. You're not that much of a self-sabotager, you're just a human being. Well, it was interesting when you said your thyroid wasn't firing, wasn't working properly, because mm -hmm. your thyroid regulates all your hormones, doesn't it? Yeah. And when you say about your vitamin D, you was vitamin D deficient as well. Like that's involved in over a thousand processes in the body. Again, that helps with regulating hormones and keeping everything like with your homeostasis in in good order. So like everything's running and firing as it should be. Um, and you, you know, like there there a lot of people will second guess stuff now, and they'll just take supplements either for the sake of it or for the marketing, or because someone else is taking it, and they think that you know they're going to get what those people perform like or look like by taking a certain way. But I'd done um, a blood test at the start of this year because I, I was just waking up absolutely trashed in the morning. And yes. I was thinking, like, have I got sleep apnea? Is my testosterone falling away? Like, what's going on? I shouldn't – I was sleeping quite well, but I was just feeling, like, absolutely smacked up. And uh, I went and got some blood work done. And uh, the – the, the guy actually was like a testosterone, like HRT, hormone mm. replacement therapy doctor. Yeah. And uh, he, he come back, he said, no, like your, your testosterone for your age is like, it's above average, it's pretty good. Um, so I was like, well, what's going on then? And then we had a little dig around with something else. And um, my, I, I always get this word wrong, but my, it sounds like creatine, but it's not. It's creonantine or something yeah. like that. Uh, that was massively over and my liver function was down. So I'd heard a lot of stuff like I've been taking creatine for donkeys, um, you know, not not because it was more for a recovery tool. Mm. You know, it was made famous back in the 90s by Arsenal football manager coming in and it was seen as this new wonder drug and people say, oh, yeah, it helps with mental health and depression and, you know, even if you're not training a couple of grams a day and all this sort of stuff. Um, I was actually poisoning myself with it because because I was eating so much beef anyway. Yeah. Um, like I naturally had high levels of creatine in my diet. So to then go and supplement with it was was having a reaction inside me. And um, I think I had like a bit of a withdrawal from it. And uh, yeah, long story short, I'm, I've not taken creatine since I got these blood tests. And I had another blood test done. That's back to normal. Liver's uh, back to a normal range. So, like, ah, uh, so I was having these weird, crazy, like, between three and four o'clock, I would wake up, bang, and my yeah. mind like tick, 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 ticking away, and I'm thinking about all the stuff that I've got to do or that I've not done, and like, I was in this weird state of, and, and I know all about it, 
like I, it's a state of fight or flight and I'd got myself in such a high stressed alert mode that I was waking myself up and I was just out, I was just overthinking so I was trying all these techniques of like mind dumping, writing down the stuff that was going through my brain as, as I was waking up to try and park it, to go back to sleep. And in the end, like I just couldn't sleep. I could not, I could not drift off. And um, more recently, I've been taking um, sort of like a, it's marketed as like a nighttime nootropic. I'm not sure I believe that, <laughs> that bullshit, right? But it's got magnesium in it. Yeah, that's it, so, magnesium. One. It's got ashwagandha in it. It's got um, uh, like a lot of stuff that's been linked to. It's got chamomile in it. It's got all the sort of herbs and remedies. It might be placebo. It might just be psychological. But if it works, then fuck yeah. it. I'm going to pay twenty pound a month for that placebo effect. Um, and I've just noticed that I've never had a problem getting to sleep. Yeah. But I've also now been taking CBD drops before bed. And where I would still wake up three, four times during the night, like now, if it's not if it's not the cat coming in and meowing and waking me up, <laughs> I literally will will go through and sleep like a log. So that's, uh, that's been a bit of a game changer for me. And, and again, like um, there's been a couple of nights where I forgot to take it and I've not had as as good sleep. I track my sleep on like yeah. uh, on on this whoop thing, and it talks about you know different levels of deep sleep and whatever. But mm. yeah, when I take it, I just feel good in the mornings. I feel refreshed. I'm obviously getting good, deep quality sleep. So, it's so important. Like, I think it's, I've got so drilled into me, and I think everybody does, is it's all about calories in, calories out. But it's not, it can be just like that for some. If, you know, that's brilliant. If that is how it works for you, then great. But the majority of us is not. And especially for me, it hasn't been that way. It's so mm. much more. Like, it's about your hormone levels, about what you're eating and the nutrients. Like I'd stripped nutrients out of my diet for so long and that just affected my stress levels, my sleep, and then that affects everything else. And there's just so many different avenues that you need to look into because everybody is unique. Like for you, like it was your liver function, but you wouldn't have known that unless you'd gone and got your blood work done. Mm. So it's just like, it's just mad that, it was so there's so much more to it than just calories in and calories out and it is you do do if there is you are at a plateau you are struggling with anything and you can't maintain a weight like me and drive you insane there is going to be a reason behind that it's not you it's you know it's not just accepting that's where your body is there is a reason Mm. so it's just is important that people start to realize that a bit more and that's something that i'm going to be promoting massively with my business as well it's there's so much more to it I think like um, the sort of science behind it is, you know, not not everyone is, well, not everyone. We're just not educated to understand it, are we? Obviously, yeah. look, I'm not a woman and I I don't know monthly cycles, so it's very, yeah. it's very hard for me to comment on it. But I'm, I've seen sort of the last maybe 12 to 18 months, there's been a bit of um, momentum on understanding like training around your cycle, you know, um, you know how you will potentially need like sort of around extra three, four hundred calories, you know, during certain stages. Yeah. And, you know, that could just be as simple as like a bit of fruit. Yeah, um, that's it. Um, it's a little techniques and things like that that can completely change a whole woman's training and eating and lifestyle just for little additions and like zooming in on little things. And 
I completely stripped all of that back because my hormones were never working anyway. And then doing something like a prep, well, that was it then. I had nothing going on. It was just like, so my body was just not even, just not functioning properly. So it's just important that we do focus on things like that and, and understand it more and get women to not be afraid to talk about it either. Like, it's even mad me thinking, but I'm going to be, yeah, promoting talking about your period and training. Do you know what I mean? But it is so important because it does affect everything. You need to understand it, right? 100%. But there's been, there's been some quite famous conversations with some of the top female CrossFit athletes where, you know, they will manipulate their cycle if they've got a big competition coming up. Mm. And, like, I understand it. That's their profession. That's their life. You know, they get paid for sponsorships. They're expected to turn up, perform big at the big competitions. But when you're manipulating a natural cycle like that, there's going to be negative impacts to that. You know, there's going to be stuff that later down the line that is going to fall over or the wheels are going to come off. So, 100%. So you, you mentioned about being insulin resi uh, resistant. Yeah. So what have you had to do in regards to changing your diet to, to sort of, you know, assist that? really just going back to a more healthy balanced lifestyle so i don't cut out carbs completely i have carbs but i have quinoa wild rice you know more of the not the process so like i used to have cereal i can't rolled oats rolled oats i take away now because that affects my skin as well um so it's more taking away all the refined sugars and the complex carbohydrates and i basically just i'm eating so much more I'm eating so many more healthy fats again. I'm tasting food. Um, nutrients is key. I just think, is that nutritious and is that got healthy fats in it? I keep my protein levels up for my weight training so I can start building a little bit of muscle, but also maintain what I've got. But it's, I'm not going crazy on protein. Like, you know, some people eat like a whole chicken or anything like that. Well, that is just having a healthy, balanced, nutritious diet and not having any sugar crashes. I've taken out any sort of refined sugar because I find that even if I have a little bit of it, it then spikes my insulin so much that I then have the worst cravings after. So I think, what's the point? What's the point is spiking it that much for a second of, oh, wow, to then three to four days of really grafting to get my energy levels back up to then stop thinking about it. So I love a bit of dark chocolate if I fancy something. But since I've taken it out, it's been about six weeks now of any sort of refined sugar. I don't crave it in the slightest. I have natural sugars. I have some raspberries. I try and stick to more berries because they're less natural sugars. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's I'm really, really enjoying it. And I'm not restricted either. If I want to go out to dinner, I can go out to dinner. Oh yeah, I manipulate the menu. But I just, it's not that I'm excluding anything out like before when I was on prep I couldn't go out to dinner I'd go out to dinner with people just so I could be there and show my face even though I was a person dead behind the eyes I'd be having my Tupperware box at the dinner table in a restaurant I didn't care in the end people used to be embarrassed around me I didn't care <laughs> I'd be like this is my goals this is what I'm doing Not yeah. bothered. Like, I went on an airplane once and I took all my food with me and <laughs> looked at me like they feed you on here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I can't. <laughs> and it was just things like that, which, like you said, it is dedication and it's dedication to your goals, but it's, it's too far, I think, for a lifestyle anyway. For 
people that do the stage and bodybuilding and is their that is their profession and their sport you do it all day long and you like you've, you've got to do that but somebody like me it wasn't I was doing it for the wrong reasons I was doing it because I felt like I had to because I wanted to look a certain way to be a good coach mm. it wasn't the right reasons at all and I need and but I got so sucked into it and it also made me deviate from my business because my business is a lifestyle for women my women clients do not want to look like how I looked but I was going down that route so mm. I was losing my focus on how to be a lifestyle coach because I wasn't living a lifestyle. Oh, and in the end, I was doing it to be a better coach, but in the end, I was a worse coach because I started hating my job. I had no patience. I was overworked. I was so miserable. And I was I was not compassionate because I'd forgotten the person who I was. I'd forgotten the journey. I'd lived this life of dedication. And when people would slip up, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? I didn't get it because I hadn't lived it because I didn't live it until I come out of it. And then, oh, there she was again. There's the fat girl. Come here, sit down, have a chocolate bar. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I think I deviated a little bit off then, but. What, um, what, what, but I remember you saying that, so if you was going to bed at sort of midnight and waking up at four, the first thing you was doing is having a coffee. Are you, yeah. are you still taking caffeine now in your diet? Um, I do have a coffee. I haven't kicked that yet, but I used to drink, um, so many zero calorie energy drinks so my day i'd be running on them zero calorie monster drinks mm. caffeine i'd be pre-workout in like constant it was just insane like anything i could knew i could get like some sort of energy boost from without taking in calories mm. so now i've now completely taken all that away i have a black coffee in the morning and that sort of i just kind of gives me there's still a bit of normality for me and i don't i don't feel I get high off it I don't feel like I get a crash off it or anything like that and then I'll have something to eat so it's just like it's just I think it's more habit I think I probably could get rid of it but I don't know if I want to I don't think it's affecting me so I think we'll see how long after waking did you have that coffee roughly um probably about 20 minutes so there's a there's a little like little personal challenge I'd like you to try out and, and okay. like Tell me to fuck off if this is going to fuck, <laughs> fuck with me balance because that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah, and I'll send you like a little one and a half minute clip after yeah. the chat. Um, but he's a neuroscientist, really clever American guy. But the way he explains it is that, you know, he gets it for the thick person like me. You know, I can fully understand what he talks about. Yeah. And basically how caffeine works is you've got this part of your brain called endocene or endorosin. I'm probably butchering that name. But what caffeine does is it attaches itself to those nerve endings and it blocks your tiredness. So that's why like, you feel like you get a boost of energy. You're not actually getting a boost of energy, but you block, block anything that's making you say you're a bit knackered, you're a bit you know, worn yeah. out. So what he's saying is that he drinks coffee, he's a fan of caffeine, so am I. I'm not here to like run down people that drink coffee. No. Um, you know, I, I use caffeine, I'll I've, pretty I've go uh, Monday to Friday now, caffeine free, and I'll have, just have caffeine at the weekend around my training to support that. Yeah. And I, I just find I get this cleaner buzz in the week. But before I go down that rabbit hole, what he's saying is don't have a coffee until at least 90 minutes or up to two hours after waking. Because what that will do, that will help your all your sort of systems that are, you know, because when you're waking up, you're pretty much in this 
unless you're late for something and you've overslept, like when you wake up, you're in a, you should be in a very content, sort of yeah. calmed, balanced state. And you need, you need a bit of time for your endocrine system, your central nervous system, like all, all your sort of functions to start waking up naturally. Mm. So, you know, he's, he's a big um, believer in pint of water down your neck, flood your body with, you know, from you going from a dehydrated state from your sleep, get the water and then like allow your systems to sort of wake up and start because, because caffeine's a stimulant. Yeah. Right? You know, like it's not the same, but it has the similar effects to like cocaine and amphetamines, you know, that, that sort of stuff. It's it's in that sort of block of like uh, effect of how it has on the body. Mm. So like just I'd be really interested just to get your feedback for just still, oh, have, no, yeah, definitely. still have your coffee, but just don't have it until like an hour and a half to two hours after waking. So it gives your body the chance. I'll get out before. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get it in. I'll go back to yeah, I'll go back to the old time. I'll be like, oh wake myself up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I'm willing to try that. You know me, I like a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, maybe don't see it as it's a habit. Yeah. It's habit. It doesn't, like I say, like it doesn't actually give me energy. Like there's times which I think it only happened a little while ago. I had a cup of coffee. I think I woke up really early at five in the morning and I didn't have to be up. I had a coffee, I went back to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just like pointless. But the, I don't drink coffee now. But when the twins were born, I got addicted hard to Costa, yeah. and I it's like I I got this. I've not had a coffee for yonks, and a couple of Saturdays ago, I woke up similar to that early, and I was like, Costa, got to get a Costa. It's the first thing in my head, and I was like, yeah. where the fuck has this craving come from? Yeah, and like caffeine withdrawals is a motherfucker. If if I have um, caffeine over the weekend. Monday, I'm like a zombie, and I will put myself to bed early because I know if I get through that early night, by Tuesday, I'm buzzing. I'm on yeah. this clean energy buzz, and I'm good. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like I I wonder if it's this sort of gut health in your in your gut. You know, like they talk about, you've got these neurons that are attached mm. your brain to your gut. So if you've got an imbalance of good bacteria and bad bacteria. They, they are the ones that will give you the craving. If you're used to like a chocolate bar at say four or five o'clock, they'll be the ones going, yeah, go and get that chocolate bar. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's just, it's brain telling you. Mm. It's, brain, it's brain telling you everything. It's just, just you're thinking, because like I say, it's habit. Like I can't remember the last time I woke up and didn't have a coffee in the morning. And it's, it's just pure habit of everything. So it's just breaking that and then, like you say, you can survive of it, but it's just you feel like you can't. Mm. It's the second highest traded commodity in the world behind oil, coffee. Yeah. So, like, you know, it... It, it, it says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, you know, and we're done without it for so many years. But anyway, like I say, I'm not here to bash coffee. I like coffee. <laughs> I've no issues with people drinking it. Um, but I think if you're... If you're one of these people that are having six cups of coffee a day or you yeah. can't function until you've had two double espressos in the morning, you probably just need to review your... Yeah, yeah have a little look at why, why that is. Yeah, your coffee intake. Yeah. But now's um, perfect timing to sort of jump into our standard chasing discomfort questions to wrap the podcast up with. So okay. let's dive in. What is your number one non-negotiable rule that you live by? Um, 
be impulsive. So it's probably not a yeah, it is a rule because it's something, all right, they've got me in bad situations, but they've also got me in good situations. So yeah, be very impulsive. I so like impulsive. Go with Phil, is that what you mean? Yeah, go with Phil. Like some like I say, sometimes it could be a bad decision, but I learn from them. So no no bad I don't think anything's bad is gonna dictate to what's gonna happen. It's just gonna it's gonna heighten it. So Yeah. It's all experiences, right? Like people will label label them good and bad. Mm. Ultimately it's it's your life and if it if you didn't get the positiveness out of it, like you say from it, you just you learn from it and you don't do it again. That's it. Just don't regret it and you just can't do it. no regrets. Being mm. positive and no regrets. Favourite quote? Um, oh, I've got to have a look at this one. What was it? Oh, yeah. Failure isn't the opposite to success. It's part of it. Nice. Nice. Dream car. I've got it. M M Range Rover Sport. Well happy. All black. That's all I've ever wanted. I've done any other car that I ever wanted was that. I said to myself, girl, you've made it when you get yourself a Range Rover Sport and a Pomeranian. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream. I'm just waiting for a new episode of um, what is it, Housewives of Essex, to come on. There'll be you with your pom. In your <laughs> See, it's got to find the husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, two dinner guests, either dead or alive, that you'd love to sit down and have dinner with. This is hard. Um, I was thinking. I was thinking. Oh, who should I choose? I was thinking. Um, well, should I have to think about somebody like Brainy or something? And I thought, no, I want Carl Pilkerton at my dinner. <laughs> Carl Pilkerton and I want Big Nasty. Nasty, <laughs> yeah. Hello, what a dinner party. What a combo. What a combo. I know, two very different people. But I thought that is the kind of dinner party I want to be at. Mm. I don't want to be having intellectual conversations. <laughs> I want stupidness. Yeah, be a lot of laughs at that table for sure. Yeah, defo. What is your, so you're hooded up, you're gloved up, what's going to be your hype ring walk song as you walk into? Booker T, Busy Party. Busy's Party, yeah? Busy's Party, Booker T, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big tune. That is a big tune. That yeah. is a tune that makes me smile constant. Yeah. You just, Don't know how you're feeling. Yeah, you've reacted a lot of memories there. I'm, I'm literally... Yeah. Reaching for my phone to see, like, is it on, is it on my Apple Music? Because that. <laughs> oh. Book you've either read or listened to more than once, and why? I think this says a lot about me. Um, Anthony Kiedis, Scar Tissue from Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've read that eight times, <laughs> and it's all about reckless behaviour, drugs, life of just not caring and. But it's just so interesting, his life. And I haven't read it for a long, good few years, but I was addicted to it at one point. Mm. I don't know. It's just a book that I've has always been in my mind. I know I know every song that he's ever wrote and why, how he was feeling and things like that. So I don't know exactly why I got so drawn to it, but I think it was because he was so reckless. And it was something I'm clearly a bit reckless myself. And But then I'm also not. So, yeah, that's, my, that's been my book. Cool. Um, what do you do when you start feeling down? I cuddle my dog. <laughs> my dog has been 
the biggest support of the past few months you could ever even understand she's just like because I live alone and obviously being in lockdown she's been on my side constantly and as sad as it sounds she got me through them days she did so yeah my dog is my number one I, I really look forward to the day that I can have a dog and and when I say the day because I know at this current time like I, I don't have the time and it would no. just it wouldn't be it wouldn't it's not a good time to have a dog for us right now no that's um, it you're gonna know when it's right yeah but like when i go out for um i've been trying to do these like free 10 minute walks after my main meals just to like help with digestion and stuff and uh like i always see the same sort of guys walking their dogs after dinner <laughs> and, uh, they're like walking along as happy as larry like dogs don't hold any grudges against you they're always happy to see you you get a waggy tail like that's it yeah and you, you meet people you don't know their name but you know their dog's name <laughs> <laughs> it's this it's this dog walkers club isn't it you're only it is dog walkers club like you know what one don't like your dog you know that like, is just yeah it's it's the best thing i've ever done mm. being a dog mom mm. changing for the world <laughs> What is your number one life hack or life advice? Oh, see, I couldn't really work this out. My life hack or life advice. I think I'm struggling with this one because where I've just gone through so much up and downness, I think I'm just sort of finding it out really. So I don't know what my life hack or my life advice is for that. I think maybe just not over, don't, don't overthink everything. Don't be, don't overthink everything. And also don't think people care that much. If they obviously care, but not what you think they care about. Yeah. Like my biggest fear was coming off social media, going back on and being fat. Well, all right. I, I'll put, yeah, I've put on quite a bit of weight since I went last back on social media. But the fear I had about that was insane. And that I was going to be sent to everyone. Oh my God, look at her. Da, 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 da. Commented, call you put weight. It was it, I overthought it and all I got was love. And anyway, I don't care if somebody else sent it on, I'm really not bothered. But it's that it was, I overthought that and I, I drove myself insane about it. So, yeah, no overthinking. Well, your, your honesty, like I said, is so refreshing. And mm. I, I, I don't do New Year's resolutions, I think that's a load of old bollocks. <laughs> but yeah, no. one of my 2021 sort of targets, personal targets, was to be more honest. Yeah. And, and not sort of say the things that I thought I had to or no. or show this persona that I thought that, you know, like, you know, I wore this sort of image proudly on my sleeve that, you know, this is me and, you know, this is what I, sh I should be doing or backing or, you know, certain things like uh, I should be posting or, or, or showing. And, like, you people are more interested in in like hearing of failures because we all fail daily. We like, relate to them. It's relate it's relatable. Failure is not a bad thing, is it? Like, no, it's not. And that's the thing. Like what you were just saying about, you know, you felt like you should be this person, have this persona. That's how I felt like I should be. And that's why I put myself through all these preps and these transformations because I felt like I had to be this certain way. So it's only been really recently that it's been no you don't just be honest about it because it actually doesn't matter because whoever's judging you has got issues themselves so and i don't want anyone to have to be suffering how i just suffered 
and not be able to relate to it because I also got when I went back on social media really helped me seeing people that had been through similar stuff who you know even lockdown and even different even wasn't through fitness or anything like that how I felt felt down and I started to feel like I wasn't alone and it started to really pull me out of that depression and that state of mind thinking I'm crazy why am I feeling like this and it's just but because people have been honest and I thought right I'm going to be honest about my journey I'm not embarrassed about it I'm proud of it this is what happened this is where I am at and this is what's going to happen going forward and I'll you know I might fuck up again I don't know but as long as you learn from them and just be honest and be true to yourself, then you will be, I think everything will work out. Yeah. No, I salute you for that. And, you know, it's a big, brave move in, in the, in the sort of social media world, putting yourself out there. Yeah. But, you know, I just think that you're only going to bring more positive things to your life and to other people's life. Um, you know, people will get inspiration from it. They will get, um, you know, it might help people see the light in dark moments. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm really proud of you to, you know, oh, you. you do it, and I think you, you know, it's a really positive thing that you're doing for for people to open up and and you know show that vulnerability, show those failures. Um, it, it's it's life experiences, and you know, mm -hmm. like you say, if you can just change or help one person, yeah, like that's that's mega benefit. A hundred percent. What what prompted the um, sort of exit from social media because you was it originally a two-week yeah so what prompted was what well, I wasn't in the right frame of mind and because I'd got was this was just after I finished my prep so this was me dealing with this whole eating scenario and also how I perceived myself body image wise so it was the fear of having to post a photo of myself of how I was looking and because I probably was still looking like insanely shredded but my my head my eyes were not telling me that I was looking I, I'd look at myself and think I was the girl who was a size 26 yeah. so I felt like such a failure again because it was the prep I'd always said this is going to be it you're going to maintain a really good physique and you're going to keep going with this and you're going to be happy and everything because I'd really really drilled that into myself and into my socials as well and it didn't happen I felt like such a failure and so yeah. I thought and also seeing other people it sounds so selfish, but seeing other people living their best life, I say living their best life, you know, on social media, that's all people do push up, like show is their best life. And I couldn't handle it because then I was comparing myself to, well, they're doing that, they're doing this. And I had no handle on any of my life at that point. And I thought, you know what, I've got to take a step back. It was, I probably should have come back on earlier than I did, but I wasn't ready. Mm. So it just, I had to, I had to take a step back and I had to also be able to do this because I can't if I'm going through something I can't be that sort of person on social media updates the status of da, 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 da. I can't act on that because I know I'm going to regret that mm. I have to come back with a clear head clear mind and be ready to talk about stuff when I'm ready and not I feel like I'm pressured into doing it and I think so if I was on social media going through that dark time I don't want would hate it if I'd posted something really dark and worried people and yeah. you know it's just better off just dealing with it and having my close circle of friends around me like I did like my best friends and my mum and my brother who I knew I could talk to and then be ready to go back onto social media and be like here I am <laughs> how did you feel about coming back I was so nervous it was always hanging over my head for such a long time what's my first post going to be what am I going to post what am I going to 
and I was driving myself insane. Like I would write all these posts out, and it would just. And then I'd think, no, that's not right. And then I knew I wasn't ready. And I don't know what happened. I just thought, oh, I'm going on there. And I looked at all my messages in my inbox, and I was like, oh god. So I thought, right, just get through them. And then whilst I was getting through them, reading all the messages from people, just caring for people that I wouldn't even expect to notice that I'd gone. And I was like, wow, like that really hit home to me. And I was like, right, okay, I'm now ready to start to say to people, I'm okay, and I'm sorry, like I've worried you, but I just had to like, you know, take myself away for a bit. And yeah, it was it was really daunting. And I'd I'd messaged everyone back and everything like that, but it took me a few days to be able to post something, and it was on my private one as well. And it was just a quick little when your two week break takes like takes five months. You know, I still wasn't ready to divulge. I knew my work profile had to be that. And I had, you know, I had to tell my clients what was going on because I just dropped them out of hat as well. Mm. I, I wasn't a coach. I couldn't be a coach. So I just had to say, look, I've got to go. I'm sorry. And I explained it nothing to anyone. No one knew where I went. So it was then I'd done my work one. And I remember I was just like, oh, God, just the anxiety, the anxiety of it. And because it was, I was opening myself up and I wanted to be so honest about it because I had been through a lot. I didn't want to be this person that was, um, you know, I've been through all this. I don't want it to be like that because I, I, it's not about that. It's about highlighting mental health, highlighting tr- troubles in people's lives, but also to help people understand there is a light and there is help and people do feel like that. Yeah. So, and I was really making sure with that post, it wasn't all doom and gloom and, you know, poor me, poor me, because that's not what I'm about at all. I don't want the attention of poor me. I want people to be like, oh, look, at her, she's doing really well. Not, oh, Simone's not well or... So I've gone for it. So I had to make sure that post was right. And I, yeah, I was, thought, you know, I'm going to be honest with it. And it was. And, and I, all I got back was love and appreciation. Everyone just cared for me. And it's now I'm back into the social media. I'm posting things. You know, I even posted a full body picture of myself the other day. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just them little hurdles. But everybody else might not see anything. But for me, these are massive steps for me at the moment. Mm. So it's just like I'm, every day I'm ticking a box of like, right, seen that person, spoke to that person, gone on social media and not having anxiety about walking the dog in case I'm going to bump into someone or going to the shop at a certain time. Thank God masks were around because I was hiding behind my mask. I'd see people and everyone in Wickford, I've probably seen you. Mm. But I ignored you because I had my mask on and I was I couldn't bear the, the if anyone asking me how I was because I was in such an emotional state of I had... I was just constantly crying anyway. I couldn't actually get it out. And also to have to speak about something that I wasn't ready to talk about and I didn't have the answers for, which I still don't have the answers for now, but I know that I'm on the right path. Yeah, exactly that. I'm, I'm glad you said that because like, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, like for, for years I know I was, and from hearing your story as well, I think it's similar that you was chasing perfection. Yeah. But actually like, I don't think there is such a thing as perfection because there will always be someone or probably more likely yourself that will find something negative and pick a hole in it and say, I could have done this better. Next time I'm going to do this. Like you you can't live your life under that harsh uh, criticism and probably more than anything, self-criticism, because like you say, nobody cares as much as you do, yep. you can't be that harsh and that strong in yourself yeah. all the time. You've just got, I even read it in my journal. I've been journaling this year yeah. and I never thought I would say that. Like a few years ago, I would have thought it was some manby pamby sort of like, 
So I never yeah. thought I'd be rehab, so right back. <laughs> just the shift in mindset, like, you know, how am I going to make today great? And then at the end of the day, what are the great things that I experienced? And mm. and like your positive affirmation, what's your yeah. positive sort of thought for the day? What's the good deed that you've done for the day? So like, yeah, you could focus on, oh, the weather's shit or the traffic again. Or you could, That's it's it. so easy to focus on negatives. Like if you just flip any situation into a positive focus or try and find the positive out of any situation, like you just literally change your mindset. And there's certain people that um, I can't be around no more because I don't have the headspace for them. And I don't mean that horribly against anyone. No. If, if, if that's what they want to do, like I'm convinced some people are just happy when they're moaning. Yeah. That's fine. Like for them, if that's what they want to do, they want to whinge and bollock and moan, like knock yourself out. But I can't fill my headspace with that because I want to see things in a different light and I want to I wanna have a strong, powerful mindset that doesn't make me any better or any worse of the people that are moaning or I don't think that have that same mindset but that's that's the the path that I'm on at the moment and that's what I've chose for myself it's so true though it is because that's why I remember back from social media is why I took myself away from social media because I was so negative I was so draining that's why I had to cut myself off from everybody because I was that person who was negative I couldn't see any positive nothing and it was I didn't know how to. I'd lost that ability of flipping the negative into a positive. And it was, I was draining myself. And I used to think, I'm draining myself. How am I going to be around other people? So it is, it's just, and you just don't want to feed that into people. And like, I think you're very much like me. I feed off other people's emotions. So if somebody's feeling sad, I feel sad with them. That's why I think I'm so dedicated to my job. And I take a lot on it because yeah. my clients' feelings are how I feel. And I understand, I relate to them and I, I really feel it from them. So it's, if you're being negative, you're just going to feed that into other people and it's just, it's, it's just not healthy. It's that feedback loop, isn't it? Like deep down, mm -hmm. we're, we're animals, you know, similar to dogs. We all want a pat on our head. We all want someone to tickle our belly. Mm. And we all want someone to look after us and care for us. Um, but you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, yeah. you've, got, you've got to make sure your house is in order first, that you're built on strong foundations and, you know, you're not going to wobble when the first bit of wind comes along. So, no. look, and that's so easy to say. I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think that, like, we've got our shit all together. And oh, my God, no way. We're, <laughs> we're perfect and we're talking from this pedestal of, like, no. like we're preaching because that's... It's that's, not what this is about at all. And no. it's, that is so, it's, I never wanted to ever be about that and it's more just live, like, having an experience of the issues or the struggles that we've gone through. And still, like we say, we haven't got it figured out. We haven't got it worked out, but we, we cope with it better. And we know how to kind of maybe not go back to that place or no, put things in place that will kind of stop you going back to somewhere which you don't want to be or doing something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just every day is a learning curve of everything and no one's got it figured out, not one person. The, the Christians call it heaven. The Buddhas call it Nirvana, and uh, I just I just found now, like the last few years, I've found this real sort of inner peace. And you know, that's not me trying to sit here and be a Buddhist in the in the meditative pose. No. But like, I just think once you find that that inner peace, and you can flip that mindset into into finding a positive out of everything. Like, not always. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Nicola will say different. But, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm a better person to be around mm. and 
and like that's now my focus is just trying to be the best version of me yeah. and not worrying about other people's workout times or their weights that they're lifting or the, the PB bill that they're ringing because I because I'm not because that that's not good for my for my mindset my mental no. and there's such a good momentum at the moment I think with um, you know we we've got similar circle of of friends and you know I've said this on the podcast many times before unfortunately um, you know there's been uh, some very sad events with, with people taking their own life, um, you know, to, and to the point that there would be people very close to them and people not so close to them that would say the same thing that we never would have expected those people to do it. No. And, you know, um, you know, it's a bit like a race car, you know, from the outside it might look fantastic, but you don't know what's going on under the bonnet. No, and exactly. there will be people out there and again i'm not i'm not talking negatively about these people but they will say um you know about people that suffer with anxiety oh it's just nerves back in my day it used to be called nerves it ain't anxiety pull yourself out of it or yeah it, oh if you're depressed i'll oh, just put your favorite song on or it, like it, it when you're in that uh, negative mindset loop and you get into those dark places you know it is super hard because you close yourself off and then you get anxious about not speaking to people when you know yes. you could, but yeah. then you can't break that loop. And and we're at a, a really good place now and, and time where, you know, the, the focus on mental health and, like, you know, again, it's not perfect, but it's getting better. The awareness, like mm -hmm. just the, the whole talking of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in a, in a problem shared is a problem halved. You know, you might not fix it, but you might change the perspective of the problem. Somebody else's input other than your own, because when you're in that state of mind, the only input you're going to give yourself is negativity. You're not going to be rational. You're, you think irrationally. You overthink everything to the point of, like, it's bizarre of what you tell yourself. So if you're doing that to yourself every single day and you then start believing it because you're subconsciously taken in, you know, like I would say to myself every day, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. And it would just be, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm that. And it would just be so brutal. And I believed it. And I continuously believed it because I was telling myself. It wasn't until I actually spoke out to people and, like, I was so embarrassed about it, but just said, like, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm saying to myself. It was like, what? Like, Joe Drew said to my mum, I wish she could see how beautiful we all see her. I wish she could see it. And that has always really, really hit home to me because... I never saw myself like that or anything like that. And it was just even having, you know, someone, a boy mate who is very, I'm very close to, I haven't seen for ages, but just saying that to my mum, I was like, oh my God, like, wow. Mm. And it's only when you start hearing from other people of how they perceive you or things like that or how, or how they see your situation or anything like that, looking in, it makes it so much easier to deal with because it gives, you're taking your, your negativity that you're giving yourself. It's got positivity coming in. Yeah. Big up Joe Drew, by the way. Yeah. Big up your socks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. Legend over there in Thailand. Yes, around. Still doing his thing. Um, right. I'm conscious we've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, oh, but yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we talked through it because uh, yeah. I would have been kicking myself if we didn't. Yeah, so let's, let's go back to the questions and slightly not as deep this one, but what's <laughs> What's your favourite film? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 
Yeah. Got trend it with books and films. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one with Johnny Depp, right? When he's tripping. Yeah. With, with the bats. Oh, love it. It's just, yeah. it's so bizarre, but it's just one of those films you can watch and watch and watch. Not really a storyline in it, but it's just, you think, I don't know, you just think, wow, that is just an easy film to watch. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. He's done some great yeah. films. Um, if you was to have one, or do you have one, what do you see your spirit animal as? I think I think I'd be a cat. You know, I'm I'm the sort of person who is a bit. It does like to be a bit isolated. I love my own company. I delve in a bit, like, but then I also like to take myself away and have me a little alone time. So yeah, I don't like letting people in too far, and I think that sort of cat definitely does. Hmm. It picks and chooses when it's ready. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly that with Man Like Winston in the house. Oh yeah, Man Like Winston, <laughs> still going strong. It is. Um, what's your mantra when the going gets tough? So I've actually got it up, I've got it on my um, windowsill. It's life is tough, darling, but so are you. <laughs> I love the darling bit. The darling. Sounds yeah. very ad fab. <laughs> it is. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. Um, <laughs> this question easy <laughs> favourite sweet treat anything dairy milk dairy milk yeah oh, yeah dairy easter egg <laughs> quarter of a glass in quarter of a glass of milk in everything right yeah see oh. I'm a galaxy guy myself yeah, it's, I, obviously, I like Galaxy. Like, I love anything sweet. But dairy milk is my go-to. Just plain, like, it's a normal bar of dairy milk chocolate. Can't beat it. Can't remember what it tastes like anymore, thank God. But, <laughs> yeah, that would be my go-to. Cool. Uh, and I've just realised our emotive, some of my questions are about food. <laughs> you, can see, you can see how much I think about food. Uh, if you had to pick one dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, this is so bad and this is so childish. It'd be chips, cheese, and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> chips, cheese, and gravy. Chips, cheese, and gravy. Only what Billericay School made, though. I couldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> oh, them saturated fat chips, that lumpy gravy, and that pikey cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesy chips, how English is that? Oh, so English. <laughs> um, what is your best stroke worst exercise movement? So my best is my sumo deadlift. I do like a sumo deadlift. My worst is back squat. I don't even do it anymore. I do front squat. I took <laughs> back squat out years ago. I just don't get on with it. Hmm. I don't I find quads quad dominant for front squat much better and then back squat was just annoying me so i thought you don't actually need to do it as long as you get in a get doing a front squat and i much much more prefer that so yeah cool uh favorite sport i suppose if i did love a sport which i don't but it would be boxing because i love anthony joshua yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can prove <laughs> that's a good enough reason and finally to wrap up the, the podcast and the questions what advice would you give to a younger you? I would say to myself, you need to love yourself. And that would be it. Just love yourself. Fantastic advice. Thank you. What, why do you think um, we find that so hard to do? 
Why are we so critical of ourselves that stops mm. us doing that? I think it's because we're always striving for, perfect, for perfection. Mm. I think we're always pushing ourselves to extremes and especially in this day and age with social media, like I still do it. I think I done it today. I was like, wow. And I thought she's so filtered. She's probably done this to the photo, done that or this. And it, you do get sucked into it and you think, well, why don't I look like that? And, but then you're also looking at a photo where you look like a bag of shit. Like you've probably just trained, no makeup on, jogging bottoms on, hair scraped back. And you're looking at this girl who's absolutely flawless mm. sitting on her sofa and you think, I'm trying to take the most worst hideous pictures of myself post-workout with, <laughs> with my barnet everywhere with sweat yeah. dripping off my nose just because to me that's like that's a little win well you're training like my yeah. I want to look like shit because I want to yeah. go for the ringer that's it. So, but like when I'd have photos of me training, I'd be lifting nothing because I knew my face would be screwing up. <laughs> but then it'd be like, right, camera's off, and I'd be like, oh, just look horrendous, like like Wayne Etta. But it's like it is. It's, it's, it's social media. I think is a massive thing that is stopped us learning to love ourselves and to accept our, our not even our flaws, just to accept our imperfections and stuff like that. And I've been terrible for it thinking oh my bum's not big enough or oh, I'm too fat or this or that and it's oh, I'm, I'm spotty and it's just oh, boring mm. just, just try and accept who you are you don't even have to love yourself just accept yeah yeah for sure Simone it's been epic talking to you I really really enjoyed no, thank you. this episode um, I've got a lot from it I know the people that will be listening to will, will definitely get something from it as well for sure um, if people want to find out more about you, um, let let us know what platforms you're on. Where's the best place to reach out to you to speak to you about? Now, if anyone's going through these situations or they want help, uh, you know, want to come and work with you, where's the best place to hit you up? Um, any of my social media. So at house underscore of underscore health underscore UK. Um, so house of health. UK um, on my Instagram and my Facebook just drop me a message I absolutely love when people message me not about wanting just to train or anything like that but genuinely just relating to any part of my journey if you've you know struggling with anything weight eating disorders just even if it's not even that even if you like a guy who's related to this on a different level and I really, really love it because it also makes me realize that I'm not alone in it as well so don't hesitate to contact me and I will always reply. Yeah, reach out. Yeah, please reach out. And if it's somebody that, if it's, it means that you're reaching out to me and you can't reach out to anybody else, then please do. Cool. Epic message to send out. Simone, let's wrap this up. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Jay, for asking me. I've loved it. I can't believe how um, honest I was. I can, but yeah, Honesty is the best policy. So definitely. Really appreciate you doing that. Like I said, there's been people that have come on here and I don't think they've been true to themselves mm. and they've said textbook answers or they've said things that they think they should say because yeah. of, you know, a certain um, image that they're building up. And, you know, we, we get a lot of outside influences, whether that's from peers, whether that's from advertising, whether that's from marketing, whether that's from social media, whether that's from old memories of being bullied at school or 
life experiences, good or bad, you know, like we're all, um, you know, I used to think I was a proper little rude boy. And, you know, clearly I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't a Jamaican yardie, even though... <laughs> Even I used to think I was when I was going to drum and bass raves in my machinos, shocking out. Oh, wow. But, you know, it's it's all part of finding yourself. When you're younger, it's, it's such a hard thing to do when there's so many influences and, and so many, yeah, like life's not easy. But No, it's not. The, the, the main thing is, you know, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get up when you've been put down. So, um, Definitely. And it's, like, so it's just being true to yourself and honest about it and then you you just know you're doing the right thing. If you've been true to yourself, then it's you, you're on the right path. If you're being somebody else, then it's not. And I think that's what I was trying to do in the end, was try and be somebody else. Yeah. When really, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be that person. Cool. All right, let's wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> oh, yes. What an episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please head over to our Instagram page at I am Chasing Discomfort and let us know your feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you think. And um, yeah, let us know your takeaways, your thoughts. And I hope you got something out of it as much as I did. Anyway, until next time. Peace.